It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Bust, Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Any other draft thoughts? Or are we good to move on to the, the Futures game? Yeah, let's talk Futures game. I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know. I guess we haven't done a pod, so I haven't told you. But I flew out here on uh, Friday. All these days have blended together. Yeah, I flew out on Friday morning. So the Futures game was Saturday. And I get to baggage claim. And out of my peripheral, I'm, like, going to pick up stuff. And uh, I see this giant human being. And I, like, look over. And it's James Wood and his family. <laughs> and so I, I've become good friends with James Wood's parents since I got out here. I've bumped into them a bunch. What sweet, nice people they are. James Wood is the quietest, like both both in volume and things to say, like person I think I've ever met. And I was talking to his mom and she's like, yeah, sometimes people take that the wrong way and like, you know, assume that he's not being nice or something. He, he is just so quiet. And I watched him in the dugout at the futures game, he's going around high-fiving and dapping people up. And, you know, first one on the top step to, to tell someone good job on a sacrifice fly or whatever, but he, he just doesn't talk that much. Like he is a quiet guy. Um, but yeah, he and Brady house both out here at the futures game for the Nats. Yeah. And both of them had uh, put on a little bit of a show specifically Brady house. We talk about James Wood all the time. He, he was, he was good out there. He's not to say he wasn't, but the, the talk of the town apparently was Brady House out there taking BP, put on a show in BP, also had a single in the game. So tell us about what your experience was with Brady House out there. Yeah, well, a couple of things. So the, the batting practice rounds kind of what I want to zero in on. James Wood probably showed the best opposite field power, um, kind of pole to pole, power to both sides of the field. Everyone takes BP at these showcases a little bit differently. So you're going to have guys that – uh, take their beeps as if it's a game, and they'll try to go to right, center, left, what have you. Um, then you have guys that just air it out. Brady House, maybe more than anybody else, did not look to show that he, like, here's how we do BP before a game. Uh-uh. Jay, Brady House was like, how far can I hit this freaking ball? Can I go to the upper tank over the Edgar side? Can I hit this ball out of the ballpark like Nelson Cruz did a bunch of years ago? And I was watching BP a couple feet away from Jim Bowden, the former GM of the Nationals, who I do a lot of my coverage with out here, right behind the screen. And, I mean, he was raving. He's like, this is this is 40 homer power, like what this guy's showing right now. He was just gushing about Brady House's power. Um, and he's, like, asking me what are you know about his numbers. How is he hitting for average and, and not destroying the ball? And, you know, like, because the BP was less approach and more airing it out. Um, but between Wood, who showed the best oppo power to left field, and then House, who just overall just pulling the ball, killing it, uh, both of them were on a short list of the best displays before the game. In-game, Wood didn't do a whole lot. 
Um, didn't really get a chance to show much in the outfield. He did have a ta- he had a, a five pitch walk, I believe, and then he had a little tapper in the infield that he almost beat out for an infield hit. Showed blazing speed down the line. There was a nice play made in the infield on like a, a glove to glove scoop. Uh, House actually had a hit on the first pitch he saw, and then he made a terrific catch at third base. If Nats fans didn't watch the game, where he went over to the camera well and kind of went head over heels like had to catch himself luckily didn't fall into the camera well he was held up by some of the media down there but he fell right into the the camera well uh, making a really nice catch so he had a a big play on both sides of the ball and I think helped his cause out here frankly yeah and I think that's what's so nice to see We, we talk about James Wood all the time and this is a guy that's a top five prospect in all of baseball so we know about him as Nationals fans and any casual or I wouldn't say casual MLB fans, but any fan that's a little more than casual understands who James Wood is at this point. Nationally, people do Brady house, not as much. And I think that when you look at the nationals going forward, we just talked about their outfield depth, their infield depth isn't as good. So they're going to need a guy like Brady house to pan out. And I think that he's going to be a really good third baseman for this team. I think that the big thing for him is just staying healthy. We talked about this on a pod a couple of weeks ago that, with Brady House, if he can stay healthy, every time he stayed healthy, he's been good. You know, he, he was really good to start out, a top 100 prospect, fell out with injuries, and then kind of worked his way back in again when he's been healthy this season and been able to stay on the field. So I think for him, it's just about staying healthy and continuing to develop. And I think you're looking at a guy that can be an everyday third baseman, all-star level third baseman possibly going forward. I really like what he has, and he's going to bring some power to the lineup that the Nationals really lack at this point. So I'm pretty excited about him. Yeah, I mean, this is not news by any means because he's had such a good year. But I was texting with someone with the Nats yesterday, and they're like, Brady House could be a beast. And I think that's kind of the thought that they have right now, You know, not only coming out of the Futures game. I'm not pretending like that changed a whole lot. But – this season in general. Remember last year, he got off to a really strong start in Fredericksburg and then he missed a lot of time with that back injury. But this year now up to almost 200 at bats, he's, he's got nine homers. He's hitting over 300. He's got an 890 OPS. Now it's different levels, right? James Wood was a plus in double a Brady house is, is a minus and a plus, but uh, James Wood's OPS is 880 houses is 890. You know, Wood does have 14 homers compared to houses nine and 13 steals compared to his eight. But James Woods hitting 260 for the season, and Brady House is hitting 40 points higher than that at 300. Now, I'm not comparing them as prospects. James Wood, because of the power and the speed and, and, and you know just being at a higher level and already showing that he can handle double-A pitching to an extent, you know, is on a different stratosphere. But my point is just to say I'm trying to quantify that I think House has had a really, really good year in the minors for the Nats. And look what's happened since he got moved up to Wilmington. I mean, we've talked about it so much on the pod, we don't need to go back into it. But that is not a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's actually one of the worst places to hit in the minor leagues. And while all of his games haven't been at home, he's played 14 games at that affiliate where there are some difficult ballparks. And his average has gone up. In in A-ball, he was hitting 297. In in A-plus, he's hitting 321. He's got about the same on base, and he's slugging 71 points higher. He's got three homers already and five doubles, so eight extra base hits in his first 55 at-bats and A-plus. He's been killing the ball. So all of that is really, really encouraging. Yeah, so I think that a lot of that's good. You know, if you're a Nationals fan, obviously it's it's good to see your organization 
represented well out there at the futures game, obviously having guys like wood and house is good out there. And then the all-star game tonight, as we tape on Tuesday, but last night was the home run derby and you were there grant. It was pretty awesome to watch on TV. You got Adley Rutschman hitting from both sides of the plate, putting on a show left-handed. I didn't realize he had that kind of pop. I never realized that Adley had that kind of pop. He hit a bunch lefty, then switches over to right-handed in bonus time and hits all but one of the pitches out. And then you have Julio Rodriguez putting on a show at home with 41 home runs in the first round. Ultimately, it ends up going to Vladdy Jr., but it was a really fun contest to watch. What'd you think of it out there in Seattle? I love the home run derby. I have loved it. I've been at, I think, every home run derby for the going on almost a decade. Uh, it is the new way that they do it is the best. Um, I was talking to one of my guys and he's like, I missed the 10 out home run derby. It couldn't be more wrong. That, that's insane. <laughs> I saw a graphic yesterday. Um, and you know what it was? I looked up cause I was trying to see the last Oriole to kind of put on a show in the home run derby. And I remember Trey Mancini having some big swings in a good moment when he came back from cancer. Um, but the guy before that, I was like, okay, I remember Miguel Tejada was in it. Who would it be? Did Nelson Cruz ever do it? And uh, I looked up like Adam Jones won his first round matchup with four home runs or something like that. And like then, then you see that um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the second Guerrero Vladimir Guerrero to win the home run derby, right? Because his dad won it, so they're the first father son tandem to win it. And they had a graphic last night that said like Vladdy Senior when he won it hit like nineteen or something. And Vladdy Jr. hit like 89 or whatever, whatever the difference was. Like, it's so great. It, I don't I don't know how it plays on TV. You can tell me. But like in-house, it's the best. Not waiting for the ball to land. Just rapid fire. Pitch it, pitch it, pitch it. Like, can you imagine coming to a home run derby and like seeing someone hit four and, and the other guy hit three and like they won the round? Like, <laughs> no, that's terrible. Like, how about someone hit 41 Julio Rodriguez last night? Like, that's what you come to. What do you come to the home run derby to see? It's not, you know, taking pitches and flying out to the, to the morning track. It's 41 bombs. So I, I love this thing. Star of the night was Julio, even though he didn't win with 41 at home. But the the honorable mention was Adley going switch hit, as you said. I mean, I, I was blown away. As you know, I you know, love the Nats, pull for the birds as well. Grew up a birds fan. Like, I was fired up for Adley to be in it. I gave him no chance. My wife's such a homer. We were in a home run pool. She's still a huge Orioles fan, too. And uh, and I texted her before it. She had an early pick. And I said, do not take Adley, please. <laughs> She's like, I'm taking Adley. And I'm like, please don't take Adley. So he's killing the ball. And I texted her. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I would. I was. I did not know he had this in him. Now, he ended up getting eliminated in the first round anyway. Do you think we should have – head-to-head or just the top four move on? Because I do feel bad when, like, he should have been in the second round. Yeah, yeah I think you got to go top four, then you can head-to-head it with uh, the, the seeds at that point with it. But to your point, I think that the home run derby is really good the way that they do it now. I enjoyed it. I don't quite understand why they automatically got the extra 30-second bonus. I'm not sure why that was added. Usually it was only the bonus time if you got the two home runs over 440 feet. But the only problem is... It's not as good as a television product because before when it was the 10 outs, you would just watch the whole flight of the ball. So you'd see it get launched out there and you can't follow it quite as well on TV. But I do enjoy the new format. I enjoy the fact that you're watching Randy or Rosarina basically go machine gun trying to hit as many 
balls out as possible. It was ridiculous watching him, how quick he was going, seeing all the other guys just, I mean, it was fun watching Julio. He kind of gets set in his spot and then boom, gone. There's another one. Boom. There's another one. It's like he was just getting set and then fire and gone. You know, every single time, same thing. Luis Robert did that in the first round too. It was like, yeah, hit the home run reset, gone again, gone again. It's ridiculous watching these guys and it can't be overstated how exhausting it is. Go out to your backyard if you have a baseball bat and swing it for a minute straight and tell me how exhausted you are. These guys are hitting upper tanks multiple times and just keep going at it for three and four minutes at a time. It was ridiculous to watch. Yeah, it's it's the max A swing. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're not taking a breather. Rosarena, by the way, we noticed, was the best at milking the clock. So, like, when he would take a timeout, at the end of his timeout, he would go over and talk to someone or say hi to a family member. Like, he was really smart about getting a little extra time. So, I'll be curious to see if anyone does that in the future. Uh, Real quick, though, I wanted to ask you, Toby, because I've been out here at all these events, and I'm going to the All-Star Game, obviously, tonight. We'll get this post today, SAP for people. Uh, I was watching the Nats from afar and monitoring everything going on. I mean, I waited – Almost 90 games for Joey Manessis to hit home runs, and it didn't happen. And then he explodes. He had two homers through whatever it was, like 88 games or something. And then he hits four over three days, which you know is the most baseball awesome thing ever. And then the other thing is, how, how long are we talking about C.J. Abrams? Like, dude, please steal bases. What is going on? Why are you not stealing more bases? And then top of the order, C.J. Abrams. It's like the heavens opened up, man, and he stole five bags in the final handful of games right before the year. That was pretty cool. Yeah, seeing Joey Manessa start hitting the ball out of the ballpark is huge because that changes everything about him. If he can start hitting for power, then that changes a lot of things in the lineup. We'll see if he can continue to sustain it. Hopefully he can. I mean, the dude hit four in three games. Maybe he found something in a swing. I'm not exactly sure. Davey mentioned he was staying his legs a little bit more, so maybe that's it. I'm not sure what exactly it is, but hopefully it isn't. He got hot for a three-game stretch, you went on a break, and then he lost it again. So hopefully that's not the case. But the thing that stood out immediately to me, three games of C.J. Abrams in the leadoff spot, went six for 12 with the run scored in RBI, walked once, struck out once, and stole three bags. That's a leadoff hitter, baby. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I wanted to see. And I asked Davey about it post game on Saturday night, kind of what he had seen. And he said that he had called CJ into his office and challenged him like, look, man, you should be a leadoff hitter. This is what it entails. This is what you need to do. And here's how you do it. And he's gone out there in one series. I know it's a small sample size, but he's done it. And I think CJ's the kind of guy just observing him that I wouldn't say he gets bored. That's, you know, that's wrong. It makes it sound like he doesn't take his job seriously. That's not the case, but he's a very uh, laid back kind of guy. And I think sometimes you have to just push him a little extra hard, you know, hitting down in the eight and nine hole every night. I I don't, wouldn't say he got bored down there, but just he, he needed a challenge. You know, he's playing at the major league level now, not to say that he was, you know, being awesome in the eight and nine hole and they needed to move him up, but He needed something extra, I think, just to push him a little bit. And putting him in that leadoff spot and making it so that he's the central figure of the offense. He's getting the game started. He's going to be right in front of Lane Thomas to drive him in. I think that that's something that's really needed for CJ. And I think you saw it in the series that he took the approach a little bit more professionally. He's taking pitches. He's making sure to work at bats. And then when he gets on, he's realizing, I'm a weapon on base. 
I need to start turning these singles into doubles. And that's my point with CJ. You know, the narrative of him last season was always oh, a soft hitting shortstop. We can find those anywhere. Well, if you're going to be a soft hitting shortstop and that's who you are, because it's not like his exit velos are much higher this season, then steal bags, please. Turn those singles into doubles. Turn those walks into an extra base hit. Do those sort of things and become a dynamic leadoff hitter, and we can live with that. And I think that you saw that. I think it translated over to the defensive side of the ball. He looked more engaged over there. He's still making incredible plays up the middle. I think it's just about ironing out all these wrinkles. I'm excited if he can continue to do this in the leadoff spot. I think he might have found something here. Yeah, he's played 81 games this season. So it's pretty easy math to see kind of the 162 pace. So you're talking about 14 homers and 28 steals. You know, 15, 30 guys with his speed, if you're playing really good defense, are valuable. Now, 690 OPS, I need that to be league average, you know, which is probably 30 or 40 points higher at this point. Um, but ideally, 750 to 775 would be nice. You look at the slug for C.J. Abrams, it's up. He slugged 324 last year. He's about 400 this year. His OPS has gone from 600 to 690. You know, if he does that again next year and 690 goes to 780, you know, now all of a sudden you got an above average offensive player with his speed and range at shortstop, and hopefully he's cut down on the errors. And now you got something going. Uh, so I, I, I remind people all the time how young he is. Five steals these last four games before the break really encouraged me. The Nats will come out of the break, by the way. They're at the Cardinals for three at Wrigley against the Cubs for three. And then the Giants and the Rockies come to town as part of one of their longest homestands of the year. I think the Mets follow suit with four games after that. I'm pretty sure it's a 10-game homestand to end July uh, for the Nationals. And it's a C.J. Abrams bobblehead night. That's Saturday against the Giants. So Ooh. adds right into our conversation there. I, yeah, I think that – I think C.J. is just growing. You know, it's something that – you. This guy's so young. We've talked about this so many times. So it's it's so hard to take and make huge assumptions about him when the kid is just so, so young. And he didn't play a lot of minor league baseball. So he's learning at the big league level. You had a conversation with Ryan Zimmerman before the season when they were doing the Nats Gala on Grant and Danny. And he talked about, yeah, you shouldn't really learn at the big league level. And I don't know if he was talking about anybody in particular, but if he was, it's C.J. Abrams. He's learning at the big league level. He didn't learn in AAA and AA. He's learning with the Washington Nationals, essentially. So you're just seeing him develop and grow. And, you know, as long as you see bits and pieces here and there, as long as you see little bits and pieces of him growing and developing i'm okay with what we see out of it you know the numbers might not be great at the end of the season but if the eye test is showing you that this guy's growing then i'm totally fine with it and right now what we're seeing him in the leadoff spot i think he's showing the that he's got it he's just got to figure out exactly how to do it at the big league level yeah i'm fired up should be good to watch him in the second half any final comments, Grant, or enjoy the all-star game tonight. Go National League over the American League, as always. Any final comments? Just that I wanted to tell people, I mean, Josiah Gray is so happy to be here. I saw him yesterday during uh, batting practice for the all-stars, and he was just walking around, big smile on his face. I went up to him. I mean, he was so pleasant, but he was just saying, he, he literally said to me, he goes, this is a bleeping dream come true, man. He was like looking around the ballpark. So it's really cool to see a big leaguer really take it in the way that he has. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome to see and awesome to have him represent the Nationals. We've talked about this plenty, so I won't rehash it. But it's pretty cool to see JoJo 
out there in Seattle. So that's going to do it for episode 66 here of Bustin' Loose Baseball. Make sure you rate, subscribe, like the podcast, leave us comments. We'll make sure to read those on the upcoming podcast. But for Grant Paulson, I'm Toby Altizer. That's going to do it for Bustin' Loose Baseball episode 66. Thanks for listening.